they kind of they kind of just came out of nowhere. They're by Rwanda, um, but it's an mm, East African country. It's right. an East African country, and um, welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host Apple Kreider. Today we are sitting down with someone who I I'm really excited for this episode, guys, because um, Nick Fernia is is the guest today. He's 20 years old. And he has a coffee shop that he started, which right there, I mean, that's that's not a sentence you hear every day, okay? 20-year-old, started a coffee shop. It's it's more of a, a cafe as well. It's it's Technically, it's called Nomad um, Coffee and, and Crepes. And uh, this is their sticker right here. I don't know if you guys can see that. But I was actually in New York hanging out with a friend of mine. His name's Ryan Scribner. Some of you guys might know who he is, but he's a good friend of mine. Was hanging out um, at his place. And, and there's this, this coffee shop and crepe place right down the road from him. And, and so we went there. And, and while we were there, um, we were having our food. We were having some some drinks. And, and he told me, he's like, man, you should, you should look into the owner of this place because he's 20 years old. He started this place when he was like 18, 19. And, and it, it was a really, really cool place. So I, I started like looking into him while we were there. There were like some articles um, in, in, in the shop itself that I was reading about this guy. And then Ryan, Ryan had shot him a text while, while this was happening. He's like, hey, the guy's actually gonna come by in about five minutes. So I got to meet this dude in person, which I, I really enjoy meeting guests in person before or, or while having them on the podcast, just because there's a whole different dynamic that exists between um, your, your, your virtual interviews where you're sitting down with Skype or Zoom or whatever, and really sitting down with someone in person, shaking their hand and really getting to, to know them, see them and, and just feel who they are. So I got to sit down with Nick for um, only about 10 minutes minutes while, while I was actually in town. So this interview is still going to be virtually recorded, but I was able to really, really connect with him, hear his story. And I'm just super stoked to allow him to come on here and share his story, his experience. Because again, man, it's not very often that you hear about a teenager opening up a physical like brick and mortar business. He's got two more businesses on the way. This dude is extremely passionate about what he does about coffee. And he's got some, some really, really valuable insights to share. I mean, this episode, I learned a whole lot about coffee because uh, personally, I haven't drank coffee in about a year, but um, Nick really like peeled back the curtain, showed me what was up, and taught me a lot about what goes into to the specialty coffee business, um, the different like waves of coffee, and all all of this different stuff that I had no idea. He talks about how he started this business, how he hired people. Because I mean, guys, you don't think about this, but like being a 19 year old and hiring people, that's a whole project in and of itself. <laughs> so so he's going to talk about that, how he's built this this amazing amazing culture at Nomad, the projects that he's got coming in the future. I mean, this dude is a very interesting guy to talk to. So so I'm just stoked to welcome Nick Fernia to Young Smart Money. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's Nick's first podcast, so um, he absolutely crushed it. So without further ado, um, enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Nick Fernia. All right, Nick, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself, dude? I am doing fantastic. It's it's a great day so far. Now, Nick, our listeners got to hear a bit about you in the intro to this episode. Uh, but for those of them that haven't heard of you before, like, who are you? What are you working on right now? Give us a quick snapshot of, of where you're at. So my name is Nicholas Fernia. Um, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, uh, where I started selling RTD products. Uh, so ready to consume beverages um, before I graduated. And I originally wanted to be an academic. Uh, I wanted to be an artist. And I was, I was looking for um, a business that would be self-driven, that would also be sustainable at the same time, uh, in which I could express myself and um, pretty much everything that I wanted to pursue. 
I wanted to put it into a business that I could use to relate with people in my community specifically. Sweet. Um, so right off the bat, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like where, because uh, it seems like you're kind of pulling in different directions here with like the, the academic, like, like you want to be an academic, but then you also want to have this business. So, so talk to us about like that sort of, I don't know, well, dichotomy. It was really hard for me personally to integrate myself into everyday life right out of high school, having a business. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, I, I've always been a, a pretty self-driven learner. And before I graduated, I wanted to go to college specifically to teach people English. Huh. Um, and I mean, you've been, you've been to Nomad once or twice. So you, you've gone through the menu. A lot of the crates that we serve, a lot of the items are named after literary characters. That's yeah, you got stickers. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're named after literary characters. And um, that started conversations in the past, but they're few and far between. However, the connections that you make, um, just with somebody that's shared a similar experience reading a powerful or moving piece of art, um, you know, that sticks with you. and that, that it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Straight up. So, I mean, we kind of jumped ahead a bit. So, so I want to kind of flash back because I, I kind of, I kind of took us off track, but you were talking about selling these, these beverages in high school. Um, why, why did you start doing that? And like, what was the draw to, to selling these things? What were you selling? All right. I don't want to throw shade on my employer at okay. the time, but I was not making legal wages. Like I'm talking $20 a shift. Um, I was a busser in a family-style restaurant, and uh, I was working, well, the hours were probably 3 to at least 9, 9.30 every night, $20 a shift plus tips, and then the tips were only a third of what the waitresses were making, so oh, man. We, were, um, we were really left to our own devices as high schoolers <laughs> to find like other ways of saving money for school. Um, and I realized somewhere along the, along the way that I didn't want to go to school. And um, everything that I wanted to know, I could, I could teach myself. And um, I would find just as much meaning in that, in that knowledge, if not more, because I pursued it on my own. Where, where does that drive come from for you? Because I know a lot of people like, yeah, sure, there is a lot of information out there. But most people aren't going to go out of their way to find it. <clears throat> and, and they're just going to sort of like stay in their lane, you know? Um, before I got medicated, I had no, I had no desire to learn at all. And it wasn't until I was probably 14 or 15 years old that I got put on um, ADHD medication. Mm -hmm. And that proved really helpful because um, up until that point, I really just wanted to be an illustrator and a graphic artist. And that was that was all that I would think about during school, like what I was going to be doing when I would when I would go home, when I would get off the bus. And um, eventually, once I got medicated, it became it, I I went from being a visual learner or a visual artist to somebody that was more literary, somebody that was fascinated by language and by learning through books. So I think it mostly stemmed from boredom. Um, because when I was bored, I would draw. I mean, you could do that pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Um, but our existence uh, and, and meaning comes so much from language. So I think that was what fascinated me the most. Say more about that, the, 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 like, sort of the importance of language. 
I mean, when you have a thought, it's in your, it's in your tongue, it's in your language. And that thought has meaning. I mean, you can't really have thoughts without language. So it's like, it's very puzzling to, to think about and go down that wormhole. But yeah, I mean, so much of, so much of what I do every day working in the shop and operating a business is about staying in the present. So being mindful and being in the present every single day and being aware of when we're slipping up or things that we could be doing better has helped me so much. And, you know, like obviously practices, there are different kinds of mindfulness practices, but Mm -hmm. Really, just like if you focus on your breathing and just focus on everything that's going on, like in your present moment, the present is infinite. You can think about the past, um, but it's gone. And you can think about the future, but it hasn't happened yet. The present's infinite. So it's just like finding something to do while you're there is the most important thing to do. You have to execute, Mm. you know. Nick, you're blowing my mind right now, dude. <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place right now. I've really never done a podcast before. <laughs> it's all right, dude. You're crushing it. I mean, I've already I've already learned a lot, and I've got a lot of gears turning um, up here right now. So, so w- one thing that I do want you to, to cover really quick, just so our listeners have context, is like what what you do now, because we we've sort of hinted at it. You've talked about the shop a couple times, um, but but really break down like what is your business right now. Um, so we opened in 2018, but I have been running Nomad as a brand since 2017 when I was in high school and we started just doing the RTD drinks. So I remember I started out with 50 bottles by the end of the second week, just selling them in school. Um, I I was, I was through the 50 bottles. So I had people just returning them and they would get a discount, but I was selling coffee in the cafeteria every morning um, before the morning bell. So before classes started, I would be selling my drinks and nobody ever stopped me. I was selling drinks in like amber Boston round bottles (laughs) and like I didn't have a license or anything, Yeah, um, but I did sell to teachers too. So... (laughs) And it was so crazy, too, because um, we shared this campus. It was, um, it was for STEM kids, so people that were doing, like, technology-based um, sciences sure. or whatever. Um, we shared a campus with three other schools, and every morning kids would get bussed out to this campus for whatever they were specializing in. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some friends that were going to TechSmart, so I would give them a couple bottles to bring and sell while they were there. And... Like little did I know I was starting like my own in-house like distribution. Yeah. You really do learn by doing because now we're working with distributors now and I really do want to start the RTD thing again. But the cool thing about having a flagship space is like it brings people in for the product. It brings people into the shop. The fact that we're not bottling or canning anymore and we only have one location and we're doing like nitro brews and all of our drinks are specialty, it gets them to experience a little bit more of what we're about. A hundred percent. So yeah. like now, now you've got this like, like physical location. Talk to us about that process and, and going from just sort of like selling drinks at, at, at school to really having like a physical like shop where you're, where you're, where you're selling beverages, where you're making food. 
when did that transition happen and like what what brought that on so before i graduated i think it was probably may um we were already looking at spaces because originally nomad was going to be a mobile coffee service like we would be doing events we would be doing um we would be doing weddings etc and we would probably just be doing it in like a van a, a modified van or something but just because that was like easier and less overhead and stuff yeah it, it would have been less overhead because we wouldn't be paying rent however the permits would just be a little uh, bit harder to navigate and it wouldn't be as consistent or steady as owning a space and as someone that has been living in boston spa for eight years now since i was 12 years old um i i I think I took a gamble on this place and it's, it's paying off. Um, you know, we're the seat of Saratoga County and you were just here. So you yeah. kind of experienced what, what it's like during the summer. And um, this place is kind of flourishing now. So I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I put my money here. hundred um, percent. But before I graduated in May, we secured the space. And at that point we knew I wasn't going to college. Um, I'm still not going to school. But um, after the space was secured, we were just paying rent um, and working on it for about a year. Wow. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I was doing a lot of the work myself because we repurposed a lot of local materials from a, from a barn in Boston Spa. Wow. So I spent literally a whole summer planing boards that comprised of the floor. And the, the floorboards are the sides of the barn. <laughs> it's just like, it's the exterior. And then um, the the metallic accents on our bar are just the roof. It's the sheet metal. Wow. I, did, I didn't even notice any of that yeah. while I was there. <laughs> so, like, we're in antique town. And when we first got this space, like, we were trying to figure out, like, how are we going to fit in to this market and what is already being done around us? Um, so we really try to integrate ourselves with, that certain homey je ne sais quoi that makes Boston Spa charming. And I think the rustic look fits, man. Yeah. So, so much history. Um, so like our bar is made from the hand-hewn beams and whatever. That's, that's pretty much why it took me a year to make the space. But I was also a barista in Troy um, simultaneously. So I would be working 10 hour days. I would come home, I'd work on the space. And then it would be repeat. Wow. So, yeah, it was very, very rigorous. I, I'd say emotionally, it was probably the most like, it was my dark night of the soul. It was like <laughs> my rock bottom, my, my lowest low. Cause like I knew that I wanted something and I knew I was putting the work in, but I, I wasn't seeing results, you know, cause I wasn't, nobody was experiencing the product yet. Yeah, man. And a year is a long time, especially for someone who's like 18, 19, 20 years old. I mean, like exactly. to be working at something that long. I mean, what yeah. kept you going? Like, did you have like this, this strong vision or like, what was, what was the driving factor? man? <laughs> it was like the money that I put into it, man. Like, cause mm. you know, I'm, I can't go to college now, you know? <laughs> um, but it's great because when you're backed into a corner, you real you're forced to execute and, you know, suffering is really, really important. Like suffer, it's a very important part of growth. Like, I don't know, I don't want to get into comparisons here, but like when you're growing a plant, sometimes you have to tie 
tie down the arms in order to make it stronger. And that's called stress testing. And I feel like in order for you to to grow, you need to know like what it is you're able to go through. And financially, I've gone through financial stress already. Like I've I've done that. Um, I've put the physical work in, the blood, sweat, and tears. And we've been open for like uh, a year and three months, a little bit over that now. Wow. And it's like we always have something new to worry about every day. But honestly that's what I'm talking about when I say you have to be in the present. You can't be worrying about what you're doing tomorrow. There's so much to do now. There's no sense in worrying about what it is you didn't do yesterday or what it is you have to do tomorrow. Like I woke up this morning and I said, I'm doing a podcast today. We're going to talk about the business. And I had something to look forward to. You know, I have to go to work tomorrow, but I'm not worrying about you know, what problems I might be confronted with when we open the, in the morning. <laughs> you know, as I'm not working today, so it's always a surprise, but. 100%. So like, <laughs> how do you, like, do you plan things out ahead of time? Do you just like show up and like do what needs to be done? Or, or what does that process look like for you? Because I'm sure there's, there's a lot of moving pieces going on in, in a brick and mortar location where you're serving people every day. So, so how does that look for you? Honestly, it's getting a little bit more lax. Um, I kind of just show up because I have enough people at this point that I trust. And we've curated a staff of seven or eight people. And we're all really, really close. Uh, this past Tuesday, we did like a little bit of a retreat to mm -hmm. a different coffee shop, just <laughs> seeing if we could pick up some some new stuff um, from this cafe that just opened up in Scotia. Shout out to Storied Coffee. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, it's, we've grown as a family and I trust everybody with, um, with the tasks that I would normally be doing. Cause I'm working on a sec on a second business. That was my goal for when I hit 20, I wanted to be working on a second coffee related business and wow. we built a pole barn in the neighboring town on a piece of family farmland. And we're going to be roasting coffee there and educating the public as well as wholesale clients, um, at coffee aficionados, if, if that's what you prefer to be called. There's anyone who wants to learn about coffee, wants to learn about the sensory or the extraction experience, um, is welcome. And it's going to be an extraction lab. It's going to be a cupping lab. And we're also going to have a, a tasting area. So it's going to look a lot like our cafe right now, except it's, it's just way, way bigger. Like in terms of, in terms of concept and in terms of space, like it's a 40 by 60 barn. Wow. And we want to hold events there. Uh, we want to be producing food for our, our cafes on this land because it is technically farmland. Um, and we do get some tax exemptions for being a farm and for wow. producing a certain amount of crop every year. And we could be just selling it to ourselves at this other business, Nomad. That doesn't sound uh, like a bad idea. No, it doesn't. And you know, I think, I think it would really be great for not only um, the coffee community here, but just for people to appreciate this commodity that they're consuming every day. Coffee is the second largest traded commodity in the world. And wow. Yeah. 
and we just consume it every day like it's nothing but there are villages whose entire infrastructure is funded by this by this market you know yeah. like we're we're getting coffee exclusively from farmers uh in the Kayanza province of Burundi and before we started buying coffee from Burundi is that a country uh, just so yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um <laughs> before Burundi was even highlighted by the Specialty Coffee Association this year, I hadn't heard of them. Yeah. And before we started buying coffee from them, nobody else had heard of them. Like, <laughs> they kind of they kind of just came out of nowhere. They're by Rwanda, um, but it's an mm, East African country. Is. It's right. an East African country, and um, like the fact that we get their top five percent from these farmers and. They are, Burundi, first of all, was voted the last on the World Happiness Report last year. Really? Yeah, the fact that we're working exclusively with people there and giving them top dollar for their best crop is, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an honor. And the fact that they're not selling coffee to anybody else, but, but us. Dang. That's crazy. (laughs) And we got to represent them. We're the end of the supply chain, which is why it's important to me that I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, because like, obviously I'm, I'm passionate about what I'm doing, but I want to represent the roasters. I want to represent the farmers and everybody in between that brings the product here. You know, I'm the one serving to it to you and preparing it for you and talking to you about it. But like, I could just as easily be somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and you would not get the full effect. You know, it's all about representing everybody in the supply chain. Nick, I got to ask, man, like where did this passion for coffee come from? Cause dude, I can tell that you're just, you're, you're really, you're really fired up about like coffee and where it comes from and how it gets to, to, to the end consumer. And, and clearly even in high school, I mean, when you were selling these, these beverages, like, where did that come from? Well, today, um, today I look at I look at my interest a little bit differently. I I find myself more interested with with earth medicine and with flavor. Huh. But initially, what interested me about coffee was I was like a huge tea drinker, sure. but I could just never do it. I could never do it straight. I would always just be dumping honey or sugar into it and you know, black tea is going to stain your teeth, man. I would just sit down with a book and I would drink probably four to six cups of tea a day. And I think it was the, I think it was the sugar that would keep me going for it. But the thing about coffee, at least for me, is it's so intrinsically complex just on its own. Like when you're drinking a tea, it's a, it, it could be a blend or it could just be a plain black tea on its own. And you know, I'm not putting down tea drinkers. Uh, I've visited tea <laughs> plantations, tea farms rather, in Thailand, and um, I've picked tea myself. I think it's a it's a fine medicine itself. But coffee, something about coffee, uh, it's it's grown as a fruit, so like it retains a lot of its original characteristics in the actual seed, which is the part that you're drinking, the coffee bean. So there are different fermentation processes that go into that. And, you know, being somebody that was never exposed to that originally at 15 or 16 years old, the complexity that was presented to me um, was just like, 
too good to pass up. Like there's so much experimentation that goes into it. It's not just science, it's an art. And it's like, it can be very expressive just as cooking is expressive. Um, So coffee really opened up my interest in flavor as a whole. And, and just the kind of earth medicines that we have out there, like tea would be one of them. Um, you, like you see a bunch of different fermented drinks like kombucha showing up. Mm-hmm. I would consider that an earth medicine. Um, like we've had these ways of, of healing and regulating our conditions naturally for so many years. And I'm personal. I mentioned that I was medicated for ADD Mm -hmm. earlier. I'm not medicated anymore. Um, Really? Like, I think, I I think I just had to regulate my conditions internally, you know, like I always, I keep on going back to the present as, you know, a place of importance, but it really, it really is. It's a mindset. You know, if you tell yourself that you can't focus or you have uh, an issue, um, staying on task like you're probably you're probably not going to be able to stay on task so it's just like yeah um and then i i eventually started my doctor started um sampling other medications with me and i eventually got to adderall and then at that point i was just like nah i definitely don't need this because i was at a point where in order for me to sit down and read which is something that I enjoy above everything else. Like it's a very meditative, relaxing experience for me. And it's a a huge point of self growth. If I want to sit down with a book, um, at least when I was medicated and I hadn't taken Adderall, I just would not be able to do it. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a matter of creating that, that internal headscape for you to just, to just be man. I sound like a hippie right now, but like, this is how I cope as a 20 year old, you know, with, with two businesses now, like it's pretty exhausting. It's pretty depleting and you have to find ways to cope with, with everything that you still have to do there. I haven't really gotten any breaks like (laughs) since I started, since I graduated high school and all my friends right now from Boston spa high school are, are here for the summer. So like they'll pop in and they'll see my roommates, but like, I'm usually like locked in here, like in my bedroom, like doubled over my computer doing something. Oh man. So like, how do you, how do you balance your, your attention, your energy resources between like both of these projects that you're working on right now? Cause you got a lot going on in both areas. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you have a team built up at, at the shop that, that sort of locks things down for the most part. But I mean, that's got to be like, do you have a process there or how do you, yeah. How do you just manage both these things? Um, well, I live right up the street. So it's like, if anybody needs anything, they can just holler at me. But, um, right now we're still in the startup phase for the roasting company. And the startup is always, it's always been the hardest part for me. Like 70% of people will have an idea, but only so many will actually deliberate and see it through to the very, very end. Yep. Um, so right now I'm just trying to get my ducks in a row. Um, we're going to be crowdfunding this roastery. I already built the, really? yeah, I already built the pole barn. So like, I, like I already have money. I already have money invested in this project. Uh, we poured concrete there. I have a coffee roaster already. 
it's really just a matter of building everything to to design mm -hmm. and um, climate controlling the space because mm -hmm. when you're storing coffee green coffee specifically you want to make sure that um, when you're roasting you don't have ambient temperatures screwing up with your your heating curves so like not even gonna pretend to understand what that all means. All right. So like, so if it's summer, <laughs> if it's summertime, your coffee might heat up faster in the roasting machine than it would in the winter time because of ambient temperatures. And that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's a bad thing. All right. <laughs> you want you want to be in control of your ambient temperature, like okay. your temperature of the room. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's basically like an air conditioner. Okay. But for like a forty by sixty barn, it's like. That, that's got to be pretty substantial. It's a project, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I just have to. We're going to be building a commercial kitchen in there as well. So really, yeah, that's going to be a third business. Oh my goodness, you got you got plenty <laughs> of stuff coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all in it's all in consecutive order. So like, the the kitchen's secondary for sure. Yeah, we want to be able to, we want to be able to do more um, as far as our baked selection goes and. You know, down the road, I want to do a cafe that's a little bit more food oriented, but still has a, uh, a large focus on, you know, fine specialty coffee and espresso. 100%. So how did you decide or, or when did you decide rather that it was time to expand into this into this new project from just the shop itself? What what made you feel like you were ready for that? And what sort of pushed you you over the edge to actually taking action on that? I think it was passion 100% because like you want to get closer to the process and you want to get deeper into the supply chain so that you can cut the middleman out and get as close to origin as possible. Like basically what I'm doing when I'm making a coffee for somebody, especially a, a pour over where I'm just making it for them by hand is I'm trying to educate them about what they should be tasting, where the coffee is coming from, etc. But I would love to tell them, hey, I roasted this myself because I wanted to bring out notes of cherry, pineapple, nougat, whatever. Um, and I want to be able to tell these people, like, I worked with this farmer and I want to be transparent. So getting closer to the, getting deeper into the supply chain and roasting coffee as well as serving it um, through our baristas is like it's a dream of mine I want to go to origin I want to visit these families and these farmers and learn about what they're doing because the specialty coffee is always it's a, it's an ever-changing industry um, we would define the the movements of coffee similar similarly to how we would define us uh, artistic movements like the impressionist movement the modern movement hmm. postmodern movement uh, so we have the first wave, the second wave, and the third wave. And the third wave is pretty much what we're in right now, like with specialty coffee. Second wave was like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and, and that's really important to what we're doing now, the second wave that is, because Starbucks, you know, their drinks are really expensive and they're all right, you know, they're, they're yeah. really sugared down, but they made people okay with paying $5 for a cup of coffee. And then they come to us, a third wave cafe, you know, doing something different. And we're charging them 450 for something that's really good. And it, you don't really have to even put sugar in it, sugar and cream. I get told all the time after I make a coffee for somebody uh, to order, 
Like, I don't need to put anything in this. And <laughs> like, all you have to do is, is really sell the product. Cause like barista in Italian means bartender nomad. When you walk in, the first thing you see is a bar. And then there's a list of the coffees that we have for you to, uh, for you to order. And I'll talk to you about the specific nuances of each one. Um, and just by power of suggestion, you'll probably be able to taste at least one of those things. And that's the cool thing about coffee. It's a, it's a very subjective experience. Even if you don't taste what I've suggested to you, it's subjective. You might taste something else. I have a flavor wheel on the wall that I point out to people. So like they can just drink a cup of coffee on their own and like point out like, oh, I do kind of taste molasses there. I do taste notes of maple. And uh -huh. you know that the whole subjective nature about flavor is what really gets me excited because you don't have to eat a pineapple and say, oh, this tastes like pineapple. Like it, it leads to more creativity. You don't have to drink a cup of coffee and say this tastes like coffee. Uh -huh. You're experiencing, you're experiencing more than one flavor compound running over your tongue, you know? Yeah. Like there's, there's so much that goes into what we serve and we're really just trying to open people's minds up to that subjective uh, sensory experience, you know? which is why I want to do classes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, dude, you, you clearly are, are very knowledgeable and, and have a lot to teach. So like, I'm, I'm curious, I mean, this might be like a, like a blasphemous question, but like, what, what is like, what is the difference between, I mean, obviously like the sugar and everything that like Starbucks is loading their drinks with, but like, what's the difference between like second wave and third wave coffee in terms of like preparing it in terms of like, like what makes them different? Obviously like, with you guys you're putting a lot more emphasis into like where this comes from getting like the top of the top from these countries but i'm i'm, I'm curious on like what the the main differentiators are there um well second wave um second wave i would probably classify as a little bit more commercial okay um so like you see these chains like tim hortons starbucks Dunkin yeah. donuts and the like and they're sourcing coffee from everywhere usually with and they're usually not within a specialty grade range. And what I mean by that is um, we're a member of the Specialty Coffee Association. And basically what specialty coffee is, is it's a margin between 80 and 100 points on a grade scale of 100. Hmm. So, meaning we only have a 20 point margin to serve you the best of the best. Whereas like we're not going to buy seven, 70 point coffee 70 point grade graded coffees or or anything like that but that would be considered commodity coffee and that would go towards those big box sort of drive-through coffee places okay it has, to, it, it has to be sold to somebody like that's going to be a a majority of your market obviously, because a lot of people just want something quick and easy, mm. um, which is why you're paying a little bit more for specialty coffee, but it, you're really getting a lot closer to the source in terms of, in terms of quality, in terms of sourcing, and in terms of how it's prepared most of the time. Um, specialty coffee is just really forgiving because it's, 
because it's intrinsically sorted better and because it just tastes better, it's more forgiving for the person that's also preparing it for you. So if I have a barista that's making a pour over on their first day with coffee that's like 90, 90 points, it's still probably going to be better than what you get, you know, down the street. Hmm. Man, that's fascinating. I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot about coffee today. Yeah. So I'm excited, man. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I stopped drinking coffee probably close to a year ago now, but after this conversation, I might have to, I might have Yo, to. What was that like? Coffee. What was that like once you quit? Um, the, the first like week or two was, was a little bit rough. Cause I mean, the reason that I quit was I just kind of realized that I was getting pretty dependent on it. So like there would be days where I wouldn't drink coffee and it would just be harder for me to focus harder for me to like get work done and, and just yeah. zone because I was so reliant on it. So yeah, after, after having cut it out, yeah, it was tough for a couple of weeks, but I mean, now I, I don't really miss it and, and I don't like my energy levels are pretty consistent. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. But but I might I might I might have to take a little bit here and there. Um, where are you based out of? Is it Wisconsin? Yeah, Wisconsin. Do you have a, like a? Did you have a favorite coffee spot down there? Not really. I mean, I would really I would get coffee with friends. I, I had a French press that I would make most mornings. Um, but no, nothing, nothing crazy. Okay, cool, man. Um, what initially got me interested in coffee altogether was it the AeroPress? The and Aero. I told. Yeah, you said that you were using a French press. It's yeah. really, really similar, except it's just for like single cup. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. You put it like on top of the cup, right? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I have never tasted a fruitier coffee. Like if that's something that you're looking for, that's how you would make it. It's just, it's tea-like. It's very accessible. Like no, rarely anyone at the shop will have to put cream or sugar into it. Huh. Yeah, I remember I was kicking myself one morning when I was a barista in Troy. I made myself one and it tasted like strawberries, but I did not record the process at all. Usually um, I have this scale that's Bluetooth and it reads all of my data. So water weight that I'm adding over time and it's able to plot that on a chart. I didn't have any of the data saved. So it was like out the window. I, I have this delicious coffee that I'll never be able to make again tragic yeah dude <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious now nick i want to dive more into like like the business side because i mean we've talked a lot about coffee so far but yeah. I mean, you mentioned that you were interested in in starting a business from from kind of a young age once you realized that like you didn't want to go into academia so yeah. how how has like running this shop as a business been for you like talk about maybe some of the ups and the downs and just some of the big things that you've learned it's been a very cruel teacher yeah. Yeah. You have to adapt very quickly. Um, honestly, I, I remember my first day, it was May 12th, 2018. And it was for a while, it was the busiest day we ever had. And it exposed a lot of vulnerabilities that we had right off of the bat. And from that point on, I've just been constantly learning how to be more efficient, how to be more lean as a, as a startup business. Um, you know, I pay a lot more attention to how much money I'm spending both personally and professionally. And I'd say the most important thing to come out of running a business and the most important thing that this business has taught me is, um, how to say no hmm. as somebody, as somebody that was originally working for other people, very compliant, um, 
always a yes man, uh, saying no was very, very uncomfortable for me. So, um, right, like at this age, you know, at 20 years old, I think having that under my belt is like, it's kind of big, but at the same time, I just love saying it now. <sighs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm sure everybody, everybody that's listening has gotten themselves into a situation just by being too nice or saying yes. Um, they've gotten themselves into a situation they don't want to be in. Um, and I really don't have time for that, at least right now. Um, so saying no has been really important. Um, also, working with friends, that's been a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. Um, a lot of the kids that we've brought on um, are very close with us. But I think everyone that is a part of our team now kind of understands um, everything that I do at the shop kind of has a purpose or it has a utility. Um, you know, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. I'm, I'm very, I try to be strict with people just because I don't want to condition them not to be working or to condition them to think that I'm lenient because I was their friend before I was doing this. Like, you know, we, we have, we have had some people go that were friends and we're still friends, but like, we just didn't bring them back on this year. But anyway, <laughs> uh, hopefully they're not listening. They know who they are. Um, yeah, like uh, those are a couple things that I've had to go through. I'd say also just coming out of my shell was kind of a big, a, a big one because in high school I was very, very introverted. Um, I, I would spend a lot of my lunches alone, like just reading. Mm-hmm. by choice by choice but like i i felt as though turning inward with a book was more would prove more advantageous to me than you know getting into a, a bunch of discourse at, at lunch like I, what could we possibly talk about that would be more important than what thomas pynchon has to say or whatever author i was reading at the time you know um reading was just really formative for me so uh, it helped me kind of come into my own but at the same time it it pulled me away from other people like I would always be traveling with a book um no matter where I was just because I enjoyed that escape but when you're at Nomad you're pretty much a bartender you have to talk to people you're you're forced to open yourself up and see what these people are about. And I learned somewhere along the way that I really, really enjoyed it. And it's made me so much less, I mean, I'm not as cynical as I was when I was 17 at all. Like I, I love everybody that comes through the door and I try to treat them all equally like, like we've been friends for years, you know? Um, because I try to remember people's names after their first visit if if they're gonna come in again like I try to have their name down I try to introduce myself because my thing is I love I love for people to feel remembered Mm. like they were a valuable yeah like they were a valuable part of what we were doing you know so that's a big thing with me and we've built up a lot of regulars since then. And I feel like we do have kind of like a family or a small community built up. So 
coming coming out of your shell is kind of a big one like as far as being a business owner you kind of have to talk about what you're doing all the time and you have to do it with beginner's mind you can't sound like you're exhausted <laughs> you sound like you love what you're doing you know uh but like i try to keep it fresh for people um for a while i went through this exhaustive phase during our first winter um where i just i could not keep it together man like survival instincts kicked in big time because we're in a small walking village and this is my first business what are we gonna do why aren't people coming through the door like if snow is plowed onto the sidewalks and there there's a foot plus outside on our stoop how are we gonna get people in and that was when I think I had like my biggest scare as a business owner. And then we crawled out of it and like we kicked ass this summer, but we were, we were a total mess. Um, and uh, that's when we started serving alcohol. Huh. Yeah. We're 200% up this year since wow. we started serving. Yeah. And now we've got like, a huge tequila bar we've got a huge whiskey bar we've got five beers on tap a bunch of wines i'm i'm not old enough to drink i'm old enough to serve so like <laughs> if we diversify and we open ourselves up to new things it'll pay off like i'm trying to get into cbd now really yeah i've got a friend in Husik who's been selling cbd pre-rolls and like <laughs> cbd like cbd edibles like out of his bakery case really and i'm like why didn't i think of this sooner yeah, <laughs> yeah it's actually, like a huge market i've got a buddy who who is working on this this startup where he's going to be selling or he might already be selling uh cbd k-cups for like keurigs that's dope <laughs> yeah man. that's gonna be huge that's gonna blow up <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's <laughs> it. yeah <laughs> alternative medicines huge right now yeah people, people kind of want to get away from pharmaceuticals yeah I, I think i think everybody's had enough you know me included yeah that industry is it's something else um but nick man I, i'm very grateful for you hopping on the podcast man it's, it's been yeah. a pleasure so far now i got some questions that i like to ask all the guests are you feeling sure. ready for those yeah Let's do it, man. So the first of which, and, and I can, I, I'm sure you have a lot of answers to this question, but um, what's, what's something that genuinely has you excited right now? I'd say the roasting company and the, the staff that we've already curated up until then. And I, I put an emphasis on curate because when it comes to building a team, you really do want to make sure that everybody synergizes and gets along and can really work well. Um, and not around one another. And I feel as though we've already kind of built up this, this family. And it sucks that it's the end of the summer and we've got two or three kids leaving, but they've got the experience under their belt, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so other than this, this coffee roasting company and the staff that we've already curated, probably just making my own coffee and building relationships with farmers. I really do want to get as involved um as involved with this community as far as you know what edit this shit out 
Hold on, edit this shit out. I'm like sweating balls right now. I have to turn off my air conditioner. And I'm like, I got some serious brain fog. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, yo, dude, what does get me excited? I was talking to you about how I don't talk, uh, how I don't really think about the future. Um, shit, I guess just roasting coffee. Uh, I also do, I also do have a beer coming out. Um, really? Yeah. So we are working with Artisanal Brew Works in Saratoga um, to work on a coffee stout. And it's actually using some of my cold brew um, concentrate that we use for the nitro brews at the shop. Um, so that is going to hopefully come out this fall. And I'm hoping to have Knockabout open roasting coffee, doing classes by like mid 2020 or wow. early 2021 and don't hold me to that <laughs> like i set so many opening dates for nomad but it took me about a year to get open at least we have the space constructed now yeah so so one thing that i want to i want to dive a little bit deep around for just a second is sure. um like uh, is people because you've mentioned a couple times like the staff that you've curated and, and really putting together this this powerful team so do you have any um any lessons you've learned throughout that process that you think would be valuable to to other young entrepreneurs um well you have to you have to constantly be asking yourself am i working harder than the people that are working with me hmm. um because I think it's pretty easy for people to run out of things to do, and that's fine. But what you're really looking forward, what you're li really looking for is someone that's going to be proactive and going to be active and forward thinking and passionate about really what your mission is. And we're trying to serve our community the best product we can, the best coffee we can, and we're trying to build relationships along the way. So. Really what I'm looking for is someone who's proactive, someone who's social, um, pleasant, and, huh, yeah, I guess that's it. But really someone that's going to be an asset to our team and, you know, sort of help us shape what we're going to be as a business, because that's what I want. I want someone who's going to look at the menu and say, you know, this would really make a good special. We should do this. Um, I, I love it when people try to participate in what we're doing on our menu or what we're doing, you know, as a brand. Cause like I can only do so much, man. If, yeah. if you're going out of your way to help me, I, I appreciate it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Damn. Yeah. Nick, do you, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your, your lifestyle or your business? Um, I usually, well, I have two days off per week. Um, Today is the day where I'll normally be working for either the other business. So right now I'm doing some copyright stuff for Knockabout and I'm on call for Nomad just in case they need me because it's Friday, mm -hmm. Friday afternoon, evening. Um, and then I have Tuesdays off. Tuesdays are more for pleasure. But um, meditating has been key. Um, and then setting a day aside just to unplug. Uh, completely uh that go kind of goes hand in hand with the whole meditation thing yeah because um really i'd say meditation's taught me about patience it's taught me about 
it's taught me about myself, obviously. Um, and it's also taught me um, some important practices of, you know, really staying calm, especially in the workplace. Uh, it's brought me to a point of understanding myself and understanding other people. Because, you know, if I, if I sit in a dark room with my eyes closed, I'm just there with my emotions and that endless internal monologue. And you can really, you can really make some breakthroughs that way if you're patient. 100%. Man, that's something yeah. I've been trying to get more into myself or that I have been getting more into myself. And yeah, I can tell you that just like reflecting, being present and just like, yeah, listening to that, to that inner monologue and really just letting it play out and seeing what kind of ideas you can get when you, when you do just disconnect for a while is. is yeah. Um, some, huh. I, I'm trying to think of some influences that have sort of pushed me in that direction, but I'd have to say Terrence McKenna was uh, probably a big one. Uh, shout out to Alan Watts. <laughs> shout out to Michael Pollan. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't read How to Change Your Mind, you got to read it. Yeah. Mm, well, I mean, the next thing I was going to ask you, man, is like you mentioned books a lot. So I was going to ask you if there were any books that have been particularly influential for you or really like world changing. Hmm, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Um, I wouldn't say I, I read a lot of fiction. So I mean, I don't know if if this will affect anybody the same. But I, I did read a lot of Russian literature. Hmm. And that's uh, very morally rigorous stuff, especially Dostoevsky. Um, I read Crime and Punishment for the first time when I was 16 years old. And it's, it's definitely a roller coaster ride. It's, it's basically, I don't know if I should really synopsize it, but it's basically the title, Crime and Punishment. So it's somebody who makes a horribly stupid mistake and has to suffer the consequences after running away from them for super, for a really long time and, you know, steeping in his guilt. Hmm. So that was a that was an important read. Also, Brothers Karamazov, for sure. That was another one of his books. And then um, Thomas Pynchon, who I mentioned before, um, he's probably my favorite author ever. He's hilarious, um, and I don't really know a whole lot about him because he was a recluse. I don't even know if he's alive. Um, but Gravity's Rainbow is my favorite book of all time. If you if you're interested, you should definitely check it out. It's hilarious, but it's, it's encyclopedic. Like I needed a, a guide to get through all the <laughs> historical allusions and references in that book. Wow. <laughs> so it's an experience. It's, it's really well researched. That's the truth, man. All right. Well, I'll have to check those out. Um, yeah. I'll be sure to drop some links in the show notes to those as well. Nick, man, I, I'm super grateful for you being here, hopping on the show, doing your first podcast. It's an honor to have you on here. Um, another 20-year-old yeah. young entrepreneur. Um, where can our listeners go if they want to find out more about you, about Nomad, about all the stuff you're working on? What are the best places to hit you up at? I'd probably say our Facebook at Nomad Coffee and Crepes and then at our Instagram handle at Nomad Coffee Crepes. We do have a website right now. I'm doing some work on it, so I'm not going to drop the link on on here right now, but I'll make sure that you it's posted on one of those sites. Yeah. I'll drop it. I'll drop it in the show notes if it's All ready right, cool. when the show launches. 
All right, cool, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nick, um, again, super grateful for you and your time. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, anything you want to leave the listener with here today? Yo, stay present. Stay present. That's all, <laughs> it is. That's all it is. Nick, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 reviews right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take Young Smart Money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm, I'm giving away to people, basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting, the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecriter.com slash podcast. That's applecriter.com slash podcast. And check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting because that's something that I'm really passionate about. So I want to teach others. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Don't want to waste too much of your time. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.